what a what a what a blessing and an honor it is to just be able to gather into this place, man, and just be able to worship with all of you and to to be able to gather here in freedom, right? And be able to to sing to our God and hear from his word is just an absolute blessing. And so I'm I'm excited to be here with you uh, this morning. Well, if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab that. We're gonna be in Ephesians chapter two. We're gonna continue uh, in this book. And um, really, this message this morning is, is really kind of a, a companion piece to what Ernie p- preached last Sunday about being fully alive, right? If you remember his message last week, he said, man, man, the, the, the gospel, what Jesus has done for us on the cross is, is he's brought us back to life, right? Like we were in that grave and he's brought us back to life. And, and it's really what I like to call the gospel on the ground, right? How the gospel uh, really just how the gospel purchases for each of us our individual salvation and how, it's, how it can be personal to each of us. That's, that's gospel on the ground. And so, and so where we're gonna go here this morning is what I like to call gospel in the air, right? Like, like last week we looked at, man, this is what the cross does for you. This is what the cross does for me. This is, this is the grave that he's pulled you out of. But, but, but what does the gospel do for all of humanity? Guys, kind of a larger, scale gospel in the air story. Like what, what does Jesus Christ purchase on the cross for us as a people, right? And so that's where we're going to go here this morning. And so I want to convince you this morning through the word of God that true humanity can only be experienced through the church of Jesus Christ, True humanity can only be experienced through the church of Jesus Christ. Now, this might sound crazy. This might sound like, like a massive statement, but, but I truly believe that that's the case. I hear all the time this, this phrase that, well, to be flawed is to be human. Right? Like, have you heard that one? To be flawed is to be human. That's just, that's who we are. But when I, uh, when I compare that statement up to what I see in Genesis chapter two, I just, uh, that's just not the case, right? Like God did not create us as a human race to be flawed. As a matter of fact, he created us and he saw that it was good. He saw and it was good And so I think in order to truly understand what it means to be human, to truly understand what it looks like to be fully human, you kind of have to go back to the Genesis story. You have to go back to creation in order to, to define humanity. And so I'm gonna take us back to Genesis 2 if if you have a Bible, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version, um, but you can go back and look at it later. I promise I won't add anything to it. <laughs> but when we go back to Genesis chapter 2, I, I, I really see what, what, what I like to call three pillars of humanity. 
Um, so God creates Adam, and, and, and there's fellowship between Adam and God. So, so there's what I like to call vertical fellowship between uh, God and humanity. That's a, that is a, a, a key component to what it means to be human. A human has to have relationship with their God. And, and, and then so God looks at Adam, and he's got fellowship with God, but... He says, man, it's, it's not good for man to be alone. And so what does he do? He creates a woman uh, as a companion piece to the man. And so the, the second pillar of, of humanity must be that horizontal relationship between us and, and each other. So in order to be human, you have to have a vertical relationship with God, and then you have to have horizontal relationship with each other. And those relationships cannot be broken. They were not broken in the garden. And then the third thing that makes us human, if you see there in Genesis chapter two, is they had a purpose for which they lived. God tells them, have dominion over the earth, subdue it, multiply and spread my image upon the entire earth. And so when I look at that story there in Genesis chapter two, I see really three things that make us human. It's that vertical relationship with God. It's that horizontal relationship with one another. And then it's, it's, it's a purpose for why we exist. But then Genesis 3 happens, right? Right, like sin breaks everything. Sin destroys everything. And if you remember, so they, they, they grab the fruit and they eat it. And then what is the very first thing they do? They hide from God, okay? So there's broken relationship then between God and man, and then when God finally finds them and they like sewed fig leaves together and they're like hiding in a cave or something like that and God finally finds them and he's like, hey, what's going on? And, and, and what is Adam's response? Well, the, the woman that you gave me, right? If you did not give me this woman, we still have perfect fellowship, God, but no, right? So there's broken fellowship between man and God, and now there's broken fellowship between the man and the woman. And then at the end of Genesis 3, God sends them out of the garden and guards the thing like with an angel with a flaming sword so they can never get back. And so their purpose has been broken. And then all throughout the Old Testament, what do you see? You see war between nations, you see war between people and, uh, and, and God, and you see the name of God just dragged through the mud throughout all human you know, existence from that point forward. And it gets so bad, like, like God calls a people, right? He calls the Jews, and, and the purpose for that is to bring... Uh, Bring God to the rest of the nations. But what, is the, what, what, are the, what does Israel do? They hide it from, from, from the rest of the nations. And now there's separation between these people of God and the rest of the people uh, that exist on the earth. 
And that's really where we find ourselves here in Ephesians chapter two. This is important for us to understand in order to understand the context of this passage. Now, this is a massive passage. Uh, There's a lot of stuff going on here. And so I'm gonna do my best to kind of pull out the main point for us here this morning, and I'm not, gonna, uh, I'm, not, I'm not gonna get into maybe all of the little theological nuances that might exist in this passage, but I wanna be laser focused on this reality that true humanity can only be experienced through the church of Jesus Christ. And so with your Bibles open, let's go ahead and read the passage, 10 verses. Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Now, we're not gonna touch that. (laughs) Uh, What that means is uh, that the Jews had kind of created a physical way of separating themselves from the rest of, of the nations. All right, and so that's all the time I'm gonna give to that verse, starting again, verse 12. Remember, that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Sound familiar? But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the opportunity again just to gather into this place and and to worship you and to hear from your word. And so, um, God, I just pray, Lord, that your word would be on display that you would give me clear thoughts and articulate words in order to um, share your word here this morning. And so pray, Lord, that you'd be glorified and honored in it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So my first point of the morning is this. Before Jesus, we were separated from our true humanity. Before Jesus, we were separated from our true humanity. And again, this might seem like a crazy massive statement, but I think this is important for us to understand because we were separated from those three pillars of humanity. We're separated from God. We are separated from one another, what he calls the commonwealth of Israel. And then we were separated from hope, from purpose. Sin separates us from our humanity. It robs us of what we were created to be. 
So let's, let's take a look at these three broken pillars here, separated from God. He says, remember that at, one, that, that at that time you were separated from Christ. You see, before Jesus, our hearts are in constant rebellion to God. They're in constant uh, destruction in our relationships. And that hostility, that rebellion, that's what separates us from God. It destroys communion with him. You cannot be fully human if you have a broken relationship with the one who makes you human. Did you catch that? You cannot be fully human if you have a broken relationship with the one who makes you human. See, God's deeply connected to our humanity. He has to be because he's the one who created us. I love what Pastor Ernie said last week. He said this, at the very core of who we are, if the soul is dead, then you are dead. The soul is dead without the soul creator alive in you. So if we were separated from Christ, then that means that we can't be alive together with Christ, right? So that means that we're dead. And if we're dead, can you be human and be dead at the same time? Nobody knows the answer to that question. <laughs> answer, no. <clears throat> well, not only were we separated from and hostile to God, but we're also separated from and hostile to each other. Look back at verse 12. He says, you have been alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. So our sin separates us not only from God, but also from having healthy relationships with one another. And this is true, right? Like, there's not a relationship that I've experienced on this earth that hasn't had some kind of you know, pain and sin and suffering in it. Relationships are messy. I don't think they were ever intended to be as messy as they are. John Stott says this, divisiveness is a constant characteristic of every community without Christ. Divisiveness is a constant characteristic of every community without Christ. Do we not see this right now in our nation? Right, like we are deeply divided because we are a nation, a community without Christ. Like some of you are like, hey, aren't we a Christian nation? Answer, no, we're not. We are a community that is deeply divided because it is a community without Christ. So we're separated from God. We're also separated from each other. And then we're separated from the hope and purpose that God created us for. He says, we're strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And so this separation from God vertically and from each other horizontally is significant because it separates us from our purpose, the reason that God created us, to multiply his image on the earth. And we cannot do that with a broken relationship with God and broken relationship with each other. Without the possibility of having communion with God, there is no hope. Without the possibility of having communion with others, there is no hope. And if there's no way to restore the fellowship we had with God and each other in the garden, all hope is lost. 
And this was our place before the gospel. Before Jesus, we were separated from our true humanity. But point number two is much better than that. Because of the gospel, we are reconciled back to our humanity. Because of the gospel, we are reconciled back to our humanity. He says in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen, right? This is good news. The blood of Jesus Christ on that cross restores those three broken pillars of humanity. It restores our relationship back to God. It restores our relationship back to one another. And it restores our purpose and hope on this planet. So how? How does it do that? How does the gospel restore us back to humanity? Let's, let's take a look at that. I think the first thing, first way that it restores us back to our humanity is that it tears down our walls of separation. It tears down our walls of separation. He says, and it has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. That's verse 14. So all of those walls that separate us from Christ have been torn down. All of those walls that separate us from having relationship with one another have been torn down. All of those walls that keep our sin in have been torn down. How? How does he do this? I think in order to understand how he tears down the dividing wall of hostility, we have to look back at verse five in chapter two. He says, he says and he has made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You see, grace is key here because you cannot tear down the dividing wall of hostility unless you first stand in grace. You see, what grace does is it allows you to have a free-flowing relationship with God and free-flowing relationship with one another. But here's the catch. You cannot stand in grace unless you first confess your sin. Nobody likes to confess their sin, right? It's easier to just throw a mask on, pretend everything's fine. But grace cannot exist in the dark. It just can't happen. So you have to walk in the light. The apostle John says in his first letter, if you, if you walk in the light, you have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin. And if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of that sin. Loose paraphrase. (laughs) The gospel tears down our walls, but it has to tear down our walls by grace. Because if you're not standing in grace, then walls still stand. And we cannot continue to build what Jesus Christ has torn down by his blood. Like he purchased your freedom by his blood on that cross. That's huge. Do not tear, do not uh, rebuild what God has torn down by his blood. Not only does it um, tear down our walls of separation, but the, the gospel also creates a new people, the church, right? Creates a brand new people, When God created humanity, he created perfect harmony, not separation, division, and dissension. 
And so what the gospel does is it creates a new, a new people. Where there was brokenness, where there was sin, the gospel creates something new. I, I love this verse out of Revelation 5, 9. It's interesting that I've used Genesis and Revelation. Pastor Blake told me uh, a couple of weeks ago, he's like, look, man, everything in the Bible can be found in either Genesis or Revelation, right? And so, and so I've just made it my point to just either just preach Genesis and preach Revelation and just know that everything in the Bible can be found in Genesis and Revelation. It's awesome. Like, just read those two books and, and, and you're good, right? But I love this verse here in Revelation 5, 9. He says, uh, and the, uh, the people of God sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because get this, you were slain and with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Jesus Christ purchased for God with his blood people from every tribe, tongue, nation, where the Tower of Babel, right, like scattered people all over the earth, confused their language. The gospel stands in its place and he takes people from every corner of the earth and creates new people. The gospel restores us back to humanity because it creates one new group of people from every corner of the earth. So the gospel tears down our walls of separation. The gospel creates a new people and then the gospel reconciles us back to God and his people. Verse 16, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. The way that God intends for us to experience himself and other people is that there should be no dividing wall in those relationships. This is our hope, that we would be reconciled to God and one another, saved from the dividing wall of hostility that stands between us and true humanity, and now we live life in grace through faith. This is the grand plan of salvation, not just that you and I would have salvation individually, but that salvation would come collectively to all of humanity. This is the gospel in the air. Big picture gospel. So before Jesus, we were separated from our true humanity. Because of the gospel, we were restored back to our true humanity. And now, point number three, we are one unified church, a restored humanity. You see, this is God's huge plan for the church is that we would be one restored humanity so that when, when anyone would look at the church, they'd be able to say, that's what it looks like to be human. When, when, when your nation looks at the church, they should say, that's what it looks like to be a humanity. When they look at, when, when, when a community looks at the church, they should say, that's what it looks like to be fully human. The church is a picture of what it should be. At least the church should be a picture of what it should look like, right? So what does it mean to be the church? Look at what Paul says here in verse 19. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. 
No longer are you strangers and aliens, but now you're fellow citizens with the saints. And so uh, this restores us back to identity, right? Like we find our identity in a lot of different things. Uh, but what, but what uh, the apostle is saying here in this text is that you should find your identity as a citizen of God's kingdom alongside the rest of the saints, Right, like in in the church, there is no you know uh, American or this political party or that political party or this or that. Get, get that nonsense out of the church, right? Like like I, my identity is first and foremost as a citizen of the kingdom of God, not necessarily as a pasty white guy, right? I need us to get here this morning. I need us to get here. We are no longer identified by all of these uh, petty things that we tend to find our identity in, right? Like I'm not an American first. I'm not an Arizonan first. I'm not a member of whatever affiliated political party, you know, whatever, right? My identity is in my citizenship of the kingdom of God, So now I have more in common with the Chinese Christian, with the Iraqi Christian, with the Russian Christian than I do with a flag-waving American patriot who doesn't know Jesus. I need us to get here this morning. Can we get here this morning? You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. The church is the only true stronghold of freedom in this world. Everything else will end up serving the enemy. So make sure that you have your identity firmly fixed as a citizen of the kingdom of God with the fellow saints. You're a child of the most high God. We're not just one holy nation, but we're also one new family. Look back at the text, verse 19, members of the household of God. So not only do we have a new identity, but we also have a new belonging. Now I find my belonging in the house of God. Now I find my belonging alongside all of you brothers and sisters in Christ. That's where I belong. So my identity is firmly fixed. My belonging is firmly fixed. And then he goes on to say, you're one new temple, a dwelling place for God. He says in verse 22, in him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. So our purpose has now been fulfilled. Our purpose now as God's church is to show the world what true humanity looks like. That's our job. To show the world who it is broken and divided, separated from God, separated from God's people, separated from the purpose and hope which, in which he created them. Now our job is to show them what it looks like to truly be fully human, fully alive. That's our job. No longer does God dwell in a physical location, but now he dwells in the people of God as a beacon of hope to the world. So before Jesus, we were separated from our true humanity. Because of the gospel, we were restored back to our true humanity. 
And that means that the one unified church of Jesus Christ is an amazing picture of restored humanity. So what now? Have I convinced you yet that true humanity can only be experienced through the church of Jesus Christ? Restored fellowship with God vertically, restored fellowship with one another horizontally, restored, restored to purpose. I hope that I have. So how do we put this into practice? I've got two quick commitments I want us to make as a church. Two quick commitments that I want us to make as a church. And the first one, I touched on this earlier, I want us to be a church that stands in grace. I want us to be a church that stands in grace. Some of you guys have some baggage that you're hiding. It's creating some walls around you. Walls only exist to either keep people out or keep things in. Some of you got some walls that are just keeping sin firmly fixed in your life people firmly outside of what's really going on. But that is not what God has called us to. That is not a picture of true humanity. That's a picture of slavery. So I want us to commit to stepping out of the shadow of our walls and into grace. Into grace. We've got to confess our sin, bring it all in the light, just put all the baggage, all the brokenness, all the sin, all the nasty out on the table and just let God take care of it. Some of you are like, man, Justin, you don't understand what would happen to me if I confessed everything. You don't understand, like, my, my life might break. You don't understand the calamity that would come upon me if I was to live in that space of grace. And that might be true. I'm not saying that's not true, but at least you would be alive, amen? <laughs> at least you wouldn't be dead to the sin that just clings. So I want us to commit to standing in grace here in the church. If you don't have a place where you can go to confess that sin, well, we got community groups, shameless plug. We got community groups right here at the church to be that place where you can share those things and people are gonna come around you and, and shower you with that grace. So stand in grace. Commitment number two, I want us to commit to the church, this church. Some of you have been attending here for years. I don't want you to be a sideline Christian anymore. We need everyone in this room to be unified together and on mission together. And so I need you to consider partnering with us here at this church. We have an opportunity to unite together. There are so many ways to get involved here to advance God's kingdom through this church. We have a massive opportunity. I'm just gonna talk about this 
right now. I don't know how much time we got. Okay. I gotta talk about this right now because half of you are gonna leave before the last song's over and you're not even gonna get to hear the announcements. And so let me just go ahead and plug it right now. Um, we have an amazing opportunity to gather together as one church this Friday and worship together as one unified body. We have an opportunity to show our community what it looks like to be the church, not just us, but alongside several other churches. And so I want you to commit to clearing your schedule this Friday. I don't care what you, you've got going on. You need to show the world what true humanity looks like. And so I want you to be there this Friday at that night of worship. Like what other place do you have to be other than you know, gathering together as, as one family, one nation, one body, one church and worshiping and singing songs to our God? Like if that doesn't sound fun to you, I don't know uh, what you expect eternity to look like. So as I wrap this up, true humanity can only be experienced through the church of Jesus Christ. We've got an amazing opportunity to show the world what humanity was always intended to be, the crown jewel of God's creation. Let's glorify him in that. Father in heaven, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, God, that you've created a new people, the church, and that we can be a part of that. I pray that you'd be glorified and honored. In Jesus' name, amen.